Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Seltzer. And I'm not Stacey Harris. You are. How are you this morning? <laughs> I am. I'm doing well, John. I'm, I'm uh, sitting at home, as we have been for the last several months, um, with sunshine here in North Carolina, um, looking out my beautiful green window today, so uh, enjoying a bit of uh, bright weather. It's a little bit warmer than it has been this week. Um, and I'm not John Sumser, you're John Sumser, so how have you been doing, John? <laughs> well, well you, you know, I'm going a bit stir-crazy. I am kind of used to um, running to airports and using the yeah. using the back rhythm of travel as the um, forcing function in, in my work. And so it's it's taking some getting used to, to, to uh, deal with this new thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that said, there's all sorts of interesting stuff going on, right? The, the 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 fact that we're on lockdown hasn't stopped forward progress, and we'll see that in the news today. And um, while people are busily trying to figure out how to get things done, there's real forward progress on some pretty interesting things. So so yeah, I'm excited actually- by that. I think it's quite interesting. Um, you know, we talk about this idea of a new normal or new the the what it will look like in the in the next phase of work, right? Um, and what I have found by sort of watching, you know, outside of the political news and the health news and 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 the and the very sad dramatic stuff coming out of the areas that are dealing with the you know high points of the crisis and their and their healthcare workers that under all this is this current of how do I still do business? And, and what's happening is that people are sort of rethinking the idea of what business is maybe is a, is a good way of putting it, right? So even in the, the stuff that we'll be talking about today, it's, we're seeing some new ways of, of, of rethinking old things that people had been doing for, for years and years and years um, and, and just different ways to get stuff done. That, that's my take on, on what's happening right now is, is that w- works a little wonky just because we're trying to rethink how you do it, right? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I would, um, um, with, with, without being overly aggressive here, the idea that there is such a thing as a new normal is, it hurts, hurts the analysis. Yeah. Um, um, what's really happening is that people are discovering what work is one step at a time. And, and in, this, in this new structure, where, I mean, so much, so much is moving around. So many pieces are in play that, that the idea that it's somehow going to settle and that there'll be a normalization of this um, is wishful yeah. it's wishful instead what's going to happen is is um you're going to see people driving down the road in old broken cars and the cars are going to crash and fall off to the side of the road and the stuff that's driving 18 months from now um it's not going to look like these old broken cars but but everywhere i turn i see people Trying to breathe life into old ideas, yeah. um, and 
And that is the healthy way that we solve this problem is by um, trying the stuff that we used to know how to do and discovering that it doesn't work and having to flounder and be embarrassed because it doesn't work while we either figure out what does or have somebody come along behind us who can figure out what does. And, yeah. and that process is, when you, when you call it the new normal, it doesn't, it doesn't get the real feel, which is more like, um, you know, we've been spending a lot of time in the garden. And so, and so I, I did some research and found some, caterpillars and ladybugs that we need to put in the garden to control the other bugs. Um, and and so you, you get a little container and it's got these squirmy things in it. Um, and the squirmy things wander around and do their things and bump into stuff and eat and drink. And then ultimately they stop being little squirmy things and they turn into butterflies and bugs. <laughs> and, and, and we're going through that kind of a process, right? Yeah, well, exactly. Right, um, and and the transformation, and, and and I'm going to want a different word, but the but the moment that the that the larval ideas become functioning insects, um, um, we're not anywhere near that, and and it is, uh, you know, you know what happens to a caterpillar when it becomes a chrysalis and then it becomes a butterfly. Yeah. The caterpillar. The caterpillar goes into a cocoon and liquefies, <laughs> and then it becomes a butterfly. Right? And, and it's, yeah. the, it's it's the liquefaction process that we're headed towards, and yeah. and to describe that as the new normal is like saying, oh yeah, you're about to get run over a car, but that's okay, you'll get used to it. Okay, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I think the word metamorphosis is what you're looking for, and we're going to get a little Kafka-esque on this here soon. So. <laughs> Sometimes that's what this feels like. I woke up and I was yes. a bug, but that's a that's exactly. a separate thing. Exactly, yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's definitely a um, – it, it, there is no the, – the, the normal, I think, I think the thing that people are longing for is, is the idea that you know what tomorrow looks like. I, that's, that's a, I think, one of the, the driving points I hear most people sort of struggling with is, and, you know, even our comments about not traveling and how we're used to that driving us to get work done and we're used to um, different levels of time management and different types of focus areas, but all of that really lends to the idea that you sort of wake up and, and know what's in front of you. And, and I know for me, I have had to get used to the last several months waking up knowing I have a lot of tasks to get done, but not knowing what the week was going to look like exactly. And that's been scary. And people go through that at different stages throughout their life, but to have a whole world kind of feel that way, I think that's why there's been a grasp for this idea of a, a normal somewhere. And I don't, I don't know that we will get there, at least not in the, in the next, you know, six to 12 months. Maybe in two years we'll get to a point where we feel like we know what tomorrow holds, right? Um. Yeah, but it's more like it's this is more like a 10-year project, right? And that's yeah. that's um you, you know, it took from 1929 to the start of the Second World War to really make the shift from 
beginning to intermediate industrial economy. Um, And along the way, there were these massive job losses and government programs that relocated people all over the country. I I saw a statistic yesterday that said that 40% of people with incomes under $40,000 a year lost their jobs in the last six weeks. 40% of people making $20 an hour or less lost their jobs in the last six weeks. (laughs) That's just, that's wiping out a class class of people. Um, And, and, and the, the, the project that it takes to restore the economy from that point, given the pandemic, is um, it involves the invention of new jobs. It involves doing things that we've never done before. And um, right now, um, people are in a panic about how to get enough plexiglass into the office so that you can put walls between cubicles so that people can go back to work. Um, um, That's that's putting Band-Aids on the cuts, and you most certainly need to put Band-Aids on the cuts, but that isn't even beginning to address the question of what are we going to do. That's just how do we keep going as best we can while we figure out what the problem actually is, right? And, and that's the, the thing that, the thing that I, I dislike most about the new normal conversation is it assumes we know what the problem is, and we don't. Yeah, we don't know what the problem is. I, I would push back a little bit on the fact that we have never done this. I, I do think, at least globally, um, after the 1930s, we did do a lot of, you know, work camps and, you know, that's how the Hoover Dam was built. That's how many of the the state parks were built, you know, was the idea of sort of creating jobs from a federal level and creating environments where people could get get back into work. So we have done this. I think what it is, we haven't done this in the modern day, which is a very different dialogue, right? Um, with modern expectations around what freedom is and what a minimal level of living is and all of those things and technology. And so there is a lot of conversation to be had about, you know, have we created an environment in our current world where we are not able to move to the next step? And that's the, you know, the piece I think people are scared about, right? Yeah, and, and I'll just I'll just say that 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 the dimensions of this problem dwarf the problem that we solved in the '30s, and that's the thing that people haven't really grasped yet is that six weeks into it, six weeks into it, we have higher levels of unemployment than we had in the um, '30s, and and the layoffs have just begun. Yeah. This is this is saying that we know what we're doing right now and that we have some notion of what's going to happen is like remember when we were going to hit the peak of the uh, 
uh, pandemic in the first week of April. Yeah. Sorry. That, remember <laughs> that? To laugh about. Remember that? Yes. I remember <laughs> that. What a sad thing to laugh about. Well, same thing with unemployment. Uh, these are the these are the good old days, um, and 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 it, it doesn't work until we start really really adjusting to that fact. I mean, you know, even so, in our so industry, hearing, we're seeing this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Go hearing ahead, stories Frank. about wealthy CEOs um, holding all hands meetings. Um, um, to let the people know that they don't have to worry about them. You, you know, we're doing fine here in our penthouse. You needn't worry about us. We'll let you know about that other stuff, like whether you have a job or not. Um, and so the the class differences between workers and executives are starting to show. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a problem. That's a problem. So we got some interesting news here today. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, all the stuff we were just talking about, all of it filters down in different ways in our industry, right? Um, we've, we've had a lot of layoff announcements, but we've also had some changes in CEOs. We've had some changes in new products being launched because of all this and uh, some more investments being made in the industry. So as much as it feels a bit gloom and doom and, and change is always difficult, right? And I think your point is very well taken that, that we are going to see the gap between those who have and those who have not probably become very, very clearly defined through all this. We're also going to see some amazing new things happen, both in our industry and around the globe, as people come up with new ideas about how to address all this, right? So, yeah, we have lots of news this week. We have um, uh, Cornerstone On Demand. Um, So many of you um, uh, follow them on the learning as well as recruiting and performance management space. Um, but Cornerstone announced a uh, changeover that was going to be taking place in June of their CEO, longtime CEO, Adam Miller, big uh, name in the industry, um, being replaced by Phil Sounders, who came over from their Saba acquisition. So we'll talk a little bit about that because they also did a briefing at the same time uh, yesterday about that. But we're also seeing investments in the market. Um, Paradox raised $40 million um, in the last week and a half. Um, and their Series B to help companies embrace the future of work with their conversational AI. We've seen lots of these conversational AIs getting investment right now, but I don't, this one's a little different. Um, Remote is another organization that raised money this um, last week, $11 million in seed round funding, um, focusing on helping companies hire and onboard talent anywhere in the world within minutes. So this is a bit of a, of a remote gig hiring model, but from a global perspective, that was why for me it caught my eye. There was some other investments this week, uh, but there was like general job boards and some talent acquisition stuff. But this one I thought was really interesting because of the, the idea of a global onboarding kind of model very quickly. We also saw some some product announcements this week. I mean, and in lieu of not being able to do big events, we're starting to see some of these vendors really push out some of the products they've been working on. Oracle launched their self-service analytics tool for Cloud HCM. They've been working on that for quite some time. Uh, Business Solver launched um, a benefits pulse tool as well as a um, a sort of uh, tool for assessing um, the best way to put it is, is, is options for healthcare for all the people who are currently 
out of work. That was sort of an interesting one, I think, because business over generally is a B2B business-to-business conversation, but it looks like they're, they're trying to provide some help for sort of the open market for the um, 22 million people they're expecting um, to be out of healthcare just because of the unemployment numbers. Um, and then last, but by no means least, Ascentis, who we don't hear about a lot about. They're generally small business HR technology, but they're starting to make some noise. Um, they're announcing their touch-free time clocks. So they're launching their own time clocks right now, which is new for them, um, with temperature reading capabilities along with biometrics analysis. Um, so I've been talking to a lot of the workforce management organizations, and a lot of them are using their biometrics technology. Um, the temperature... It's a new one for me, so I thought it was worth having a conversation about. So as much as we talk about the fact that things are changing, there's a lot going on right now, John. So where do you want to start the conversation on, on all these um, well, topics? Well, so what do you think about time clocks that um, take your temperature and do an iris scan or, or a facial recognition? What do you think about that? Well, I mean, personally – it's a little creepy, right? Um, but on the other hand, um, I think we're, we're going to see work environments where um, people are starting to do things like taking temperatures um, and, you know, taking down symptoms. I mean, this is the, the contact tracing. Everyone's going to be hearing the term contact tracing over the next couple of months. Um, technology is being um, sort of looked at across the board. The question is, what you do with that information and how it's used, right? Because once you find out someone has a fever, then how much do you have to get in their personal life to understand what that fever means, right? <laughs> and then, well, yeah, this is this is a, this is a very not to come to work. This is yeah. this is a very clever tool for discriminating against women in menopause. <laughs> yes, that's what I said exactly. Yes. <laughs> It's, there is a lot of things that this could could um, this could backfire on organizations if they don't implement it well. The tool itself is not bad by any means. I actually think there we have to start thinking about how we bring our workers back safely. Safely, and we have to put in place the things that they expect before they walk through the door to make sure they feel comfortable walking through a door. But we have to also put in place the processes and the policies and the procedures to make sure that we do that in a way that is respectful of not only the regulations, but of the brand and the values we say that we're holding ourselves to, right? So, so I right? think <laughs> we, we, we probably need to involve an employment lawyer in this conversation, but it's my sense that you cannot discriminate against people based on a physical characteristic. And so, so in order for gating of the organization to be done based on some sort of a physical characteristic, um, uh, the regulations will have to be changed. And and I, I don't think by by any stretch of the imagination um, that people are going to stop doing this just because the law says you can't. Uh, but it's a super important consideration. Um, yeah. uh, yes, we need to make safe workplaces, but no, it's not okay to categorize and discriminate against people, no matter what your excuse is. Yeah, but that's actually not what's in it. Right now, OSHA requirements for safety are overriding um, 
discrimination requirements when it comes to anything that has to do with health care at this point. Now, whether that will hold up in a court of law and whether or not that will be... Yes, says, says who? Says who? Yeah. <laughs> says who? Just because just you say that, I don't, that's not true. This, and God knows with the government that we have, the idea that somebody would prioritize one thing over another, Outside of which crony to give the money to, <laughs> you know, that's not happening. That's so. So business owners may wish that that were true, but but it isn't. It isn't true. Um, and and there is a there is a super need to get back to work. I, I would dispute that for a second, but. But just because there's a super need to get back to work doesn't mean you can drive 100 miles an hour down the freeway. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I'm believe me, this one is one of the. That's why I pulled it up, and I wanted to make sure we talked about it today because I think companies are 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 assuming the technology is out there because it they're allowed to use it, right? That's that's really what's happening. If if someone has made it available and someone has made it accessible. Well, of course, the vendors have done all the research, and, and I haven't talked to a sentence, and I haven't talked to any of the other workforce. We talked to Time Clock Plus last week, um, and they're tracking sort of contact tracing, tracking using the existing tools they've already had in place, which are good tools. Um, but none of them, they're, they're responding to requests from the employers about what they want and need, right? Um, and the question becomes, have they had the conversations at both a legal and an ethical level? And I think it can't, it can't just stop at a legal level. It also has to stop, you have to think about it at a brand level and employee comfort level. There's a whole slew of things that have to happen here, right? Um, and then, then the technology can be put into place, right? Because um, I think there is a place for most of this technology if you think about how to appropriately use it, right? I don't think because we're having a crisis that you get to just willy-nilly suspend the legal environment and the anti-discrimination laws are in place because it's easier to discriminate than it is to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, so I'm sure that 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 you're right that these companies are responding to requests from from their clients, but that doesn't make it smart or good. That just makes it a request from a client. Um, and it, and if you any, say... It, is it any different than getting on a plane, being required to get your temperature to get on a plane at this point? Is it any different than being required to give your temperature on a plane? Yeah, so if I, before I go on a plane, I don't, I don't, most I, I, international you know, I, 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 No, 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 United States is what we're talking about, not most okay. international. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> OSHA, uh, you, you can't do that. OSHA and the Americans with Disabilities Act don't apply in other countries. Okay, all right, good point. Um, <laughs> right, right, and the, the sentence is, is an Iowa company they're not talking about launching this internationally. This is a this is a domestic, and and we've got the biggest mess, and so so whether or not there are 
get your temperature taken requirements in other countries, I, I don't know how to think about that yet. Um, um, uh, but 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 can you or can't you go to work because of your temperature is an area that is much more protected and regulated than can you or can't you get on a commercial um, property. Right, the, the 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 government doesn't regulate that space. Then companies can. the The space that the government regulates um, starts at the security place, and and if they want to add temperature stuff there, that that's a government decision. The question of whether or not I can discriminate against my employees based on their health status. That's a separate very sticky legal thing and that people are just wandering right by because they're in a hurry to get the doors open. Um, and um, it would be really, really good to review this stuff with really conservative employment lawyers. <laughs> because yes, that, that because one I, in, I think we will agree on that one completely, Jeff. I would recommend that for yeah, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in, 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 in the absence of a clear statement from the regulators that you're not going to get that, that you're not going to be held liable um, you're going to be held liable yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, and, and so did you see the one about uh, there's a there's a there's a I believe it's a Texas um, um, Mexican food joint called Nacho Daddy that is requiring workers who return um, to sign a um, release that says um, the company isn't liable if they get sick from coming to work. Wow. I have not um, seen that one, but I'm not surprised at all, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so well, there's, I mean, there's going to be... There's, yeah. And we've got Amazon. There's going to be all sorts of weird shit. People to come to work too, right? So, yeah, this is going to be across yep. the board. Big companies, little companies, you know... Do you make sure people are safe? Does that making sure people are safe, stepping on their rights and regulations, is, is you know, do you, even if you keep it separate from HIPAA data, right, like the HIPAA requirements, and like right now they're saying, well, if, at least if I keep my employment data separate from my, you know, data that I'm capturing about the person's, you know, current state of health, that's part of what's going to make it safer. All of this is up in the air, and you definitely need guidance on all of this. It would be my statement, so... <laughs> Don't don't yeah. do it alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, and make sure your make sure your vendor has a big insurance policy. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so, <laughs> we so, so, so talk a little bit about Cornerstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This Phil Saunders, who, who it, it is, Phil Saunders, who is the um, the current. CEO of Saba was just named CEO of Cornerstone. And, and this is an yeah. extraordinary thing. Um, Adam Miller, who started the company um, and um, has run it um, to, to $600 million a year in revenue, um, is becoming the co-chairman of the board of directors while Phil takes over the CEO's job. And and Phil did an extraordinary thing with Saba. He, he is a he is a 
business operator who knows how to find efficiency and the marketing edge and things. And so it's going to be very interesting to see what he does. What do you think about it? This one, well, I, I, you know, the announcement came out, and 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 it, and I actually heard it from the financial analyst before I heard it from anybody else. They were calling me, asking me about it, um, and then you know we got on a briefing that was supposed to be about where Saba and Cornerstone were going to go towards the future, where they sort of announced Adam's plans to move, and then quickly jumped into kind of with a with a high from Phil. Um, to a hour presentation of Adam telling us about the future of the organization and where it was heading. Um, so it was a little bit disconcerting. Like it, it felt a little bit like this decision and this change may not have been planned um, or long-term because it was normally you would expect announcement like that and then to have someone like Phil do a big presentation. But Adam jumped in. And as always, I'm always on board with the vision Adam has of sort of educating the world. I think it's one of the reasons I've always gravitated towards the conversations that happen around what's going on with Cornerstone. And they have some real long-term plans um, around what they're planning to do with sort of their, their artificial intelligence, their learning and development, and how they're going to wrap everything in a learning picture. But I also heard very clearly that um, Cornerstone is a cash machine, which was actually worked directly out of um, Adam's you know, mouth. And my fear is that under Phil, as good as he is, but that they might end up operationalizing themselves out of innovation. So that would be my biggest fear about this. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a reasonable question to ask. Um, I, I will tell you that, that I had a deep conversation with Cornerstone yesterday about their AI ambitions and you know that the the conventional story right now about AI has shifted away from machine learning because all of the historical data is broken right now and on to um, the skills work that companies like Burning Glass have been doing for 20 years and Workday has been doing for three or four and uh, there are probably 15 or 20 initiatives that are about trying to understand what all of the skills in the world are and what all of the jobs in the world are and what all of the people in the world are and make them blend together. Um, um, and they have some interesting new people on the team at Cornerstone who who – given the right funding and sustained big funding could do some very interesting things. So I was, I was optimistic coming off of the phone call. Uh, but, you know, uh, the, the heart of the cornerstone cash machine is the user base and and nobody's ever seen a level of layoffs like we've just had. And nobody's ever seen the, the level of business failure that we're about to see, and so um, we'll see if they can. We'll see if they can sustain it. I, I give them high marks for for a good running start. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping so because I think I think the the cornerstone plays a really important part of the HR technology ecosystem. They have driven innovation in a way, oftentimes that other learning organizations couldn't because of their scale and their scope and because Adam just really, I think, understood his customers 
Um, and I know Phil's done a nice job with what they've done with Saba, so I'm hoping to see that that will come to fruition. But I also know that when you start focusing on a lot of different applications coming together and operations are is your primary focus, you could easily end up with what we saw happen with some total, which was some really interesting stuff, but they spent so much time trying to support all the myriad of different products that, that had been aggregated underneath that brand for years that the innovation got lost really quickly, I think, for them. Um, and I think they're still trying to come yep. back from some of that under the Skillsoft brand. So, yeah. So yep. it, it's something to watch. Yeah. Yep. So another great conversation. Um, uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. And thanks, everybody, for checking in with us today. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumser, and we will see you back here next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone. Bye.